Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where the polar vortex is hitting New York, and it seems like only yesterday we were wearing short sleeves, because, folks, it was only yesterday that we were wearing short sleeves. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, and general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here in my new time slot of 1030, which, I I guess at some point I'm going to stop calling new. Good morning. How's it going? Good morning. Can I After four weeks, do I have to stop calling it new, or is it student still new to somebody? It's really about how you feel about it, I think. Okay, that's nice. Yeah, I mean, my, do you feel still that it's new, that it's new? It's, it is. I'm still getting used to it. So, yes, my new time slot of 1030, right after Allison, right up, right before Nachum's live lunch. We are coming to you from the home of the Nachum Single Network on the beautiful Lower East Side. I am joined by Avrami, Boker Tov to Avrami, and Boker Tov to Danny Goldberg as well. He's sitting to my left. Avram, how was your commute in? I was good. I, uh, I, have, uh, I brought Big Downer out. Uh, okay, Big Downer is only a nickname for the coat that Avrami wears, which is, by the way, like a human cocoon. Yeah, I got it. I got it. <laughs> it's like he wears a sleeping bag. I got it cleaned in the beginning of the week, and That's I had it. to put it on because last night was cold. Some people take their furs out of storage. Avrami gets Big Downer out. By the way, what are the, when, when you get on the bus and you look like the Michelin man in that coat, what are people looking at you or no? It's too late night, too early yeah, in the morning. They don't care. Yeah, people are sleeping, and they're just trying to, I guess, you know, if, if I... There are people on the bus that happen to be a lot bigger than I am, even with the coat on. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. By the way, I was the person on the train this week that nobody wanted to stand next to because I had like six bags. I was the bag lady. (laughs) And uh, they were cumbersome. Anyway, if you're a new listener to the show, thank you for taking a break from your day to tune in. If you are a returning listener, thanks as always for making us part of your day. Please follow us on Twitter, Nachum Siglnet, all one word, Miriam L. Wallach, all one word. Let's do a fortune cookie. I don't think that fortune cookie was that audible, but I know you know it's there. Mm. Having trouble with this guy. Oops. There we go. An expert is someone that knows so much about so little. Yeah, actually, I'd probably, if you looked it up, it'd probably be exactly what it sounded like. An expert is someone that knows so much about so little. I think that what my friend posted on Facebook this morning was probably more appropriate. I care way too much about way too many things. And that is the truth. Folks, today is World Kindness Day. World Kindness Day. It falls in World Kindness Week, which ends tomorrow. So if you haven't been kind to anybody this week, you have today and tomorrow to get that done. I'm just letting you know. Our first guest, by the way, is already on the air. I don't want to keep him waiting too long because we have so much to talk about. And here on That's Life, one of the things that we like to talk about the most, um, besides, you know, having things having to do with West Wing, is anything having to do with the YU Max. That is that is the honest-to-God truth. So Joe Bednarch is the athletic director at Yeshiva University. He has been the, the athletic director and physical education and recreation director at Yeshiva University since 2006. He's been working at YU since 1991. And his tenure, he started, I should say, his tenure working as a lifeguard at the Goddessman Pool. Everyone starts somewhere, right, Joe? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. Hey, my pleasure. And you've been on campus since 1988 because you were a student at MTA, and you're what you're what we call a lifer, a person who stays and doesn't leave. I am definitely a lifer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So with so much going on, the big question on everyone's minds, Joe, is which is more exciting, the fact that George W. Bush will be at the Hanukkah dinner or that the Max have their first home game opener a week from today? Uh, obviously, the most exciting news always there you go. Is, is the Yeshiva Maccabees, followed closely by the Polar Vortex and then perhaps the ex-president. <laughs> yes, well, we know that W. is a... Uh, and a huge friend of the uh, of, of Israel and the Jewish people, so I'm sure he's going to be a phenomenal speaker. 
at uh, the Hanukkah dinner, but if you put him on stage with a bunch of uh, Wayu Max holding basketballs and in uniforms, I'm sure they would be the ones that catch everyone's attention. And for good reason, because the Wayu Max are con- continue to be not only a paradigm for what we want of our students, p- kids who are learning Torah, kids who are in dual curriculums, but kids who above all are still mentioned. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I think I've said it before when we've had conversations, you know, it, it's, it's extremely important that we go out and we represent, you know, the school and the Jewish people well, but it's also extremely important that we are competitive and hard-nosed, but that we play the right way with sportsmanship. Right. And something actually that Nahum mentioned yesterday on Jame in the AM when he um, hosted President Richard Joel at WFMU on Jame in the AM, he had mentioned that one of the things that he likes the most is at the end of the season, the last game, we are very possibly the Max will not be facing whatever team they're facing that day during that last you know regular season game. They're not going to see those guys again. But they all say goodbye to each other, shake hands with each other, as if to say, listen, it's been great. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for playing. Thanks for being you know good opponents and and for making this you know a healthy sport, a healthy competition. And to him, it was just really overall indicative of what the Max stand for, but also what Yeshiva University stands for. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that a different personality comes out a lot when players step over the line into the field of play. You get competitive, you get hard-nosed, but there's a proper way to do it. And, you, you know, they keep the respect for the opponents. And, and right after the game when they shake hands, you're right. It's, it's just an amazing thing. It shows you what sport can do and the things that sports can bridge. And I imagine that these, um, these students who are featured on the Athlete of the Month tab on the Max, um website, which, by the way, is yumax.com. For anybody who's looking and wants to look along with us, it's yumacs.com. The Athlete of the Month is that opportunity to highlight a student who not only has, um, has excelled both in his or her field, his or her particular sport, but also overall as a student. Correct. Yeah, I mean, these are all interesting stories, and, and we choose them because uh, of their interesting stories. I mean, we've had, we've, we've profiled people um, who went through a lot to get here. Um, and that's, again, it's a testament to what Yeshiva University is. Is there, a, is there an athlete that stands out in your mind? Uh, Rebecca Yosher. <laughs> Rebecca Yosher stands out in my mind. I mean, uh, we profiled her last year. Unfortunately, she graduated last year, and we don't have her on the team. But here's somebody that led the nation in, in rebounds. Um, is one of the smartest and, and sweetest people that has ever come through this place um, and, and just a joy to be around. So she, she's definitely one of my favorite players. Stephanie Greenberg, I know it's, they're both women. Uh, Stephanie Greenberg, also a joy to be around. She probably had the best quote of anyone ever. She led the, uh, the nation in steals last year, and when they, when, when they interviewed her, she said it's really odd to lead the NCAA in a category that I've always been told not to do. <laughs> That's really cute. She actually, I know personally, she, it's a wonderful family, and, um, but the Greenbergs in general. But, but I would imagine also, you know, knowing the Yoshers and knowing the, the, where, these fam- where these athletes come from, that they're, they're an example of things we have seen before. Not to, not to say that they're not special, because they are, but... There is clearly they're being they're being well schooled at home and well schooled on campus as to what's important, how to conduct themselves, and how to best represent both the university and and the Jewish people. Yeah, and and you know, look, there's no other option, right? We know that people are going to look at Yeshiva University. It's the only 
you know, university under Jewish auspices, right? They, and, and what our kids do is, in, their, in other people's minds, reflective of Jews. Right. Um, so we're blessed with that, but it's also a huge responsibility. Well, with t- 16 teams, am I correct? 16 teams, athletic teams that are available between the men's and the women's sides? Correct. That is an enormous, enormous opportunity, enormous uh, menu, so to speak, catalog for somebody who's looking at YU with all the open houses coming up and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure about the academics, but my gosh, I, I can play all of these different kinds of sports. I That kind of opportunity is presented for me on the YU campuses. I mean, that's enormous. Yeah, I mean, they can play these NCAA varsity sports at, at a very high level. I mean, last year, you know, we, we were sitting together about men's tennis making sure. the NCAA tournament. Um, this year, our men's soccer team uh, led the conference and is in the top 10 in the NCAA uh, stat leaders. They had more wins than ever before, more goals than ever before. They can play at a really high competitive level. Uh, and then for those that can't, there's intramurals and there's recreation and there's club sports. We, we try to be available to have something for everyone. I, I like to tell people that I have the best job in the world because I get to say yes to people. <laughs> come in, they say, hey, we'd like to do uh, flag football. Great, let's get it going. Right, right. And, and wow, that is, that's an interesting perspective. It's funny. I always thought I had the best job in the world, but I certainly do not say yes all day and all night. Joe Bednarsh is the athletics director at Yeshiva University, and he joins us on the phone right now from the Institution on the Hill, as uh, many people like to refer to it. So let's talk about what's happening one week from today. So one week from today, the uh, basketball team is going to open up the season. Um, as you know, we, we have a new coach um, and a new system that's going to be in place. Uh, and, and to be honest, I've been quite impressed with what I've seen so far. This is, uh, this is probably the most in-shape team we've ever had, mm. um, the strongest in terms of physical strength uh, team we've ever had. They're certainly not the tallest. And they <laughs> might not be the most talented, but uh, I really think that Elliot, Elliot Steinmetz, the new men's basketball coach, is going to use what they have mm. uh, to his advantage. What do you mean by a new system in place? I know about the new coach with the retirement of Coach Halpert brought in the, um, the, the next generation, so to speak, with Elliot Steinmetz, and a lot of people are very excited about that, and for good reason. But what do you mean by a new system? Well, Is it something that a layman like me could understand? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's start with that, because if you're going to tell me some kind of strategy, something, it's not going to work. <laughs> I'll, 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 do, I'll do my best. Okay. So each coach has their own style of play, uh, their own particular plays that they put in, what they want to see out of their athletes. Um, some coaches concentrate more on defense, some more on offense, some more on the half-court play, some more on the full-court play. So every coach has their ideas of what it's going to take from their players to win. Um, and most all the good coaches adapt that to the players that they have. So in the years that Coach Halpert had a lot of height, he might play uh, with more of a focus under the basket because he's got big guys. With years that you have smaller but faster people, you might try to run more with the ball. Okay. Okay. I get that. Even I got that. All right. (laughs) So Elliot is going to be looking at his team, or he is looking at his team and saying, okay, we are going to play option B because this is the, these are the talents that we have. And while it may not be in height, it's certainly in skill. Correct. But that said, we, we are getting some height in January which we're excited about. We're buying height? Well, we're not buying, <laughs> but uh, we, uh, we have a, uh, a young man coming in who's 6'8". He's, uh, 
He's oh, in January. Okay, and we couldn't get him to start now. Oh, we tried. Oh <laughs> man, six eight. That's that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, every basketball coach will tell you there's the old phrase that you can't teach height. So it's a good starting point. Wow, that's incredible. So do we know who's starting next week, by the way, for the opening game? I'm actually not sure. I'm not sure that uh, that, that Elliot has, has decided that. Got it. Um, I actually make it a point of not getting involved in the coaching decisions. <laughs> for so good I'm reason. kind of excited to see it also. What time is, uh, what time is the game start? So the... Um, the, the home game, the first home game that we're going to have for men's basketball is on uh, Thursday night, the 20th. Right, one week at, from today. Right, starts at 8 p.m. It's versus Connecticut College. Uh, and I know I spoke to Elliot last night about a couple of issues. He's very excited for that game. Are they fierce competitors? Are they somebody we really got to worry about? <sighs> you know, everybody changes from year to year, but Connecticut College is, is in a pretty tough conference, and they're about a 500 team. Um, so a 500 team in a tough conference, it, it depends on, you know, what we can bring to the table. And since I haven't really seen us yet, I, I, I wish I had a better answer for you. Well, I'll be davening. That's my contribution. <laughs> <laughs> That's my contribution to the cause. And please, God, I look forward to being there. I would like to be at the home opener. That is for sure for both for both personal and professional reasons. So I hope to see you next Thursday. And that's, again, that is next Thursday night, the 20th at 8 p.m. up at the Max Stern Athletic Center at Yeshiva University in the Washington Heights. And we look forward to a successful, successful season. Call a vote to you, Joe, and everyone at the, athletic, at the athletics department. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I also you know, just want to encourage everybody to come out and see all the other teams. Women's basketball opens the, the previous night um, on the 19th. So, uh Please go to the website and check out uh, the schedules, and we'd love to see you. Wow, fantastic. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Miriam. Thank you, everyone. Take care. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and coming to us from Jerusalem is a new uh, a new guest here at um, at That's Life, somebody I am completely humbled to, <laughs> to invite on and to speak to today for his, uh, his title is absolutely incredible. He is the deputy... Deputy Director General of Shari Tzedek Medical Center and Director of Trauma and Emergency Preparedness. He is Dr. Ofer Merin, and he joins me on the phone. Good morning, doctor. Good afternoon, Israel. <laughs> Good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm uh, great. Thanks, sir. Excellent. I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you. I imagine that you're on a, a speakerphone or, a, a, you know, a... Uh, Deburit, so to speak. I'm having a little trouble hearing you, but we'll we'll try and make it work. I want to ask you, there's there's so much, obviously, in the news now about Ebola. And even though the doctor who was recently, who was hospitalized a couple of weeks ago, but has been released and is, quote unquote, please God, and I hope he lives, you know, a very healthy life, is free of Ebola. Just yesterday, nurses in California went on strike, uh, went on strike in protest of what they deemed, as union leaders in California deemed, to be a lack of protection for nurses who might treat Ebola patients. And I know that you were at the forefront in terms of making sure that you guys would be prepared for Ebola should should you have to deal with it. And what I think that preparedness in Israel is part of it is supposed to the national level. The health ministry is um, trying to uh, teach all the hospitals what, what we have to do. And they supply us with the with the proper um, outfit and gears in case of Ebola. So there is a lot of work that is done in the national level. Uh, we are doing 
Knowledge is key, not only for your staff, but also for the public as well. And that's something that um, I, I would I would I would argue that might be the only thing that we did right here in New York is making sure that people understood how Ebola is transmitted or not transmitted for that for that um, for that sake. And and going through and explaining to the public with you know major press conferences whether it's the mayor of new york or the governor of new york what precaution what precautions are being um, are being made in order to protect the Start public around the world people were, were afraid to talk with people with hiv or were afraid to right. drink for the same glass that they someone touch i mean there's no question that lack uh, of knowledge and uh, only Right. Well, that was it's interesting that you bring that up because somebody had commented the day after the press conference. I was listening to the news and somebody commented that Ebola is our generation's HIV, not to say that it is spread the same way or that it is the same kind of disease, but rather that same kind of need for the public to understand the disease on, on a major level, not from an intricate scientific level, but from a public health level, so that we could all stay calm. Yes, yes. I totally agree. Uh, so, yes, again, we are, uh, at least in the last last months, we have uh, a drill once a week that, that uh, is not a planned drill, so we surprise the, the people in the emergency room with uh, a fake patient coming and reports that he has a high fever, and he came from one of these countries that is known to have Ebola, and, and we see how people are, uh, are responding to it. From the first clerk says this patient till uh, the final uh, position of the patient, and uh, there's no question the containment of the disease is the most important thing that the hospital can do. But these are not the only drills that you run at Shari Tzedek. You also have drills for earthquakes, biological events, chemical events. I mean, how do you do you um, ma manage to involve the entire hospital or organize the entire hospital to ta undergo these drills on a consistent basis? So again, I think this is something that is unique to Israel and maybe even more so to Shari Tzedek in the sense that we have at least twice a year a sport drill each time it is directed to something else, like as you mentioned, to an earthquake. Because in earthquake, it's not important that the, 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 the staff people of the emergency room will know what to do. Every person in the building should know. 
And I think this is, this, this is really something that we were able to, to spread the, the understanding of the staff members that, that they know that every few months there is a large drill and people uh, stop their work for a few hours and drill. Uh, and I think from this sense, I think the preparedness of the hospital for mass casualty events that can be from natural disasters mm. or can be from, uh, you know, uh, car accidents or from terror events, from whatever, people are prepared. People know what is the specific position. Because these are things that if you don't drill them, if I would go to a hospital in New York and I would say, okay, God forbid there is an incident like in September 11, mm. and you are working in the, the surgical ward or in the EMT ward, and you hear that they are going to receive hundreds of patients. I would guess the first response of the of the people would be, "Okay, I'm running to the emergency room in order to treat people," and this, of course, is wrong. <laughs> Every person has to know his position. Right. You have to make sure that first of all, the patients that are already in the hospital would continue getting high level of care. You have to know what different sites you're going to open in the, in the hospital. So there's a whole routine, and a whole logistic approach of how to prepare the staff members in the hospital to be Very good point. I also want to make mention, um, of course, that Sharit Sedek is also a, a a, a trauma hospital that is turned to um, in in the event of a terrorist attack, and and it's been a very heartbreaking week in Israel, a traumatic week in Israel to say the least. It's my words are minimize and don't uh, don't belie the the stress and the the heartbreak that exists this week. But that is those those are also drills that you prepare for, or those are trauma treated like traumas like any other. Well, you know, uh, in the last four weeks. Unfortunately, every single week in the last four weeks, Charlotte, and we had to treat the patients from terror events. And for one point, we are, we, are, we are happy that these were relatively uh, small uh, events in the sense that we had a few patients coming each time and not mass casualty events. Mm. And these are treated like uh, every other event. If someone is uh, hit by a car, if it's car accident or this is a car that was uh, driven by a terrorist, the injuries of the patients are the same injuries. So if we're getting uh, someone with a head injury, from this sense, it doesn't matter if you got it from, uh, from a terrorist or, right, or from right. uh, a regular road accident that uh, we see all around the world. Mm. Uh, we do drill the hospital for the idea of a mass casualty event, meaning the hospital should be prepared that within minutes we, we, we might receive tens or even hundreds of patients in a hospital which is very busy, which the emergency room is constantly full, and you have to uh, have a good understanding how to evacuate the emergency room, how to prepare the emergency room within 10 to 15 minutes to be able to receive maybe 100 right. or 150 uh, patients. Right. This is something that we drill and we prepare and we spread the knowledge. Wow. Wow. Dr. Ofer Marin, again, he is the Deputy Director General of Shari Tzedek Medical Center and Director of Trauma and Emergency Preparedness. I thank you for your time, sir. I hope I did not take you away from many more important and pressing matters, but I do hope you will join me on the air again. We have so much more to talk about.
It will be my privilege, and thank you very much. Thank you. You've been listening to That's Life here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Let's go through the lineup so you know what not to miss. That is for sure. It's an exciting day. The live lunch starts in just a few minutes. And uh, we would not want to miss that. That is for sure. That goes till 1 o'clock. And today at 1 p.m., Gorf hosts the stunt show. You got to listen to this. The world, according, according to Gorf, uh, Rami and I were talking about this, visits Stan Lee's Kamikaze 2014 Entertainment Expo, where Gorf moderates a panel of Jewish, Christian, and atheist Hollywood writers and producers from television and film on the very timely subject of villains and faith. Don't miss David Sachs from The Simpsons, David Weiss of Shrek 2 and The Smurfs, Butch Hartman from Nickelodeon's Fairly Odd Parents, Lisa Klink of Star Trek, and our very own Gorf. That's today at 1 p.m. only on the stream. We have an encore of a spin class from last week with Michael Fragan. There were plenty of surprises to go around. Don't miss it. Tomorrow morning, Nahum hosts JM the AM from 6 to 9 in the morning with our weekly update at Malcolm starting at about 7.40. And, of course, table for two at 9 o'clock. It is a supersized show. Naomi recorded at Kosher Fest this week. I saw Naomi's lineup. It's not normal. As the cool kids are saying, it's totally off the hook. So don't miss her show. And a rummy host Saturday Night Seagull starting at 10 p.m. Motsay Shabbat. Sunday morning, JM Sunday from 7 to 9 in the morning with Matzis. I leave you today with Ari Kunstler's Split the Sea. Not because it is Parsha appropriate, but because my daughter likes to sing the line, get into the water when she's in the shower. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys. Let us walk across our dry land to be forever free. To be forever free. My captors approach now, so when I go, yeah, right into the border, my faith is the only thing. Awesome.